0: Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. I'm your host, Eric Fisher. This is the show where we talk to the people behind the productivity. This week, I'm talking with Nick Snap. Sorry, I guess that's more of a cracking of a whip. Anyway, Nick Snap of the Make It Snappy Productivity Show. Nick and I met at Podcast Movement in Chicago, July 2016, and he's doing some amazing stuff when it comes to productivity. So if you're looking for yet another productivity podcast to check out, You must check out the Make It Snappy Productivity Show. In this episode, Nick and I talk about hacking corporate. What does that mean? Well, we'll get into that. But as a teaser, it's about becoming more productive, effective, efficient, etc. in your day job at an organization. But we also talk about the opposite of that or I should say at least the opposite of working in an organization. You're still going to become productive, effective, efficient, and all those things. But working not at an organization, working for you or a remote team, working at home. So it's about hacking corporate and hacking homeworking this episode. Before we get into that, I want to say thank you to AWeber for supporting this episode of Beyond the To-Do List. AWeber is a leading email marketing platform for growing businesses and entrepreneurs, They have an awesome resource landing page that you can get to by going to aweber.com slash to do, go there and grab the tools that will make you a better digital marketer. Even if you are not a digital marketer, this is set up for you to go and grab free videos, downloadable checklists that will get you up to speed on some of the most basic marketing tactics. Even if you are a seasoned marketer, I am betting there are things that you have not yet done yourself before. For example, creating your first online course, or your first YouTube video, or your first podcast episode, or your first Facebook ad. Any and all of these things are there. Aweber.com slash to do. Go grab these free videos, the downloadable checklists, get started on that next thing that you need to do to become a better digital marketer for whatever it is you are doing online with your digital presence. That link again is aweber.com slash to-do, awebe com slash T-O-D-O. Thanks again to Aweber for supporting this episode of Beyond the To-Do List. Enjoy this conversation with Nick Snap. Well, this week, it is my privilege to welcome to the show, Nick Snap. Thank you, Nick, for being here.
1: I'm grateful to be here, man. It's awesome.
0: So we met in chicago that was a fun time we were at podcast movement and uh, lo and behold another po- another productivity
1: podcaster <laughs> there's another not, productivity podcaster indeed yeah there's not that many
0: of us but there 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 are some really awesome actually there's i'm really glad that there are some great productivity podcasts out there and the thing is is like i literally i had not heard of you at all and so I was like, "Oh, who's this guy?" And then I started to get a little bit of a picture for where you came from. So let's go into that. Mm-hmm. So you were you were, I guess you still technically are, though you don't practice it per se. You were and are an engineer and I guess you were and are a project manager.
1: That's right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, so it's just kind of yeah, when do you when do you uh let go of those ties, I guess. Once you're an engineer, always an engineer, I suppose.
0: Yeah, I mean you still have those skills. So it's not like you cease to be, even That's though right. you don't carry that quote unquote label uh in your current career. You you're still an engineer and you're still and you, you still engineer some stuff. And you're still a project <laughs> manager, because you product manage your life and your
1: business. So That's absolutely right. Yeah, you can't change the way that you think about these sort of things. I'm wired that way now.
0: So Definitely. But where were you? Like, well, you you were you were entrenched. Like, you were in the day job. You were in corporate. Oh yeah,
1: oh yeah. I was putting in some serious hours in corporate. I did for fourteen years, working as an engineer, project manager. I Spent time working for Lockheed Martin right out of school. Worked in the nuclear industry with the Navy, the, the nuclear Navy, and I went over to um, the NR, NRC support. The Naval, oh, I'm sorry, Naval, the Nuclear Regulatory Commission, I did some work to support them for a while. And then most recently, I went in the phosphate industry and I spent about 18 years there doing capital project management, just taking those crazy nebulous projects that people have these wild ideas and making them real. they're big ones too. Some of them were $100 million. So I had a lot of that, uh, the five phases of the project life cycle, five phases of the project, you know, initiation, uh, planning, execution. Um, monitoring, controlling. That's only four. I feel like I'm <laughs> missing one already <laughs> uh, 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 closing. Obviously, the last one's closing. So yeah, the, for, the five phases of the project life cycle, put on the spot, trying to spit them out. It's always fun. Um, and I try to incorporate those skills into what I'm doing now in this productivity space.
0: Nice. So I assume that's kind of where you got that inkling or you're, you're, you, know, you got your toes wet, your feet wet in mm-hmm. the world of productivity because project management and productivity kind of go hand in hand in a I'm lot sure of ways. People don't always acknowledge that. I, I've had people, you know, I had, uh, Cesar Abid, I don't know if you're aware of who he is. He's, oh, yeah. he's been on. Yeah. He, he came on, talked about his book, about a year ago now, geez. And, mm. uh, it, you know, project management for you. And, you know, I've always seen it that way. It's like project management. Well, management, managing a project is managing a task list or a timeline for a goal, a project, etc. That's what productivity is part of productivity. I wouldn't say that's all of productivity, obviously, hence the title of the show beyond the, to right. there's so much more to productivity than just a to-do list. So much more. So, but that's, I assume where you got in to productivity and really started, started to, uh, you know, in, in other words, hone your skills.
1: That's right. That. And then I really started getting fascinated by lean six Sigma. So I got certified, got the green belt thing going on and just like digging into the processes. I was always in manufacturing phosphate. You mine the rock out of the ground and then you turn it into fertilizers, the industry that I was in. So there's all kinds of conveyor belts and massive tanks and uh, concrete structural jobs. There's just all kinds of projects out there and processes take widget A all the way to uh from point A all the way to you know point Z and ways to improve that process along the way. So I take that process improvement mindset, which when you're trying to improve something, that in and of itself is a project and then apply that to personal effectiveness. So right. when I first started Eric, I was gonna go into and I did went into companies to do these lean Six Sigma studies uh three days after I quit. I was fortunate enough to get work, receive work over in Los Angeles. So I took a plane to Los Angeles three days after I quit. um, And I worked for a credit card manufacturing company to help them get their numbers up. I did a study. I was like a consultant of a consultant. Great work, had a great time. And that's when I realized, though, doing that, I took a look at my life 10 years down the road. I was like, man, this is not what I signed up for to be away from my family for like two four weeks at a time it's just not it's not my thing i got into this entrepreneurship to have the opposite happen, you don't spend more time at home and that's when i realized that i had to to figure something else out and my own coach my own process productivity the characteristics and everything that comes along with it was what i've been all about throughout all my years in corporate and that's the space that i chose to to start planting some roots in
0: yeah well, so I've heard you talk with our mutual friend Mike Vardy all about this right. term hacking corporate and you so you've done that except mm-hmm. I think some people when they hear that they think oh that means that you like uh you know got so good at your job that they couldn't keep you 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 became unemployable but I hear that and I also think the flip side where you 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 got so good at hacking it and getting so good at uh, being efficient and effective in the pos- position you were in, that they had to move you up, and I think that's the distinction. There is, there's, you hack corporate for one of two reasons, and maybe both is to to move up or to move out.
1: That's right. And mine was, you know, I got the entrepreneurial bug, got the seizure, as Michael Gerber calls it, from the E Myth. I got to, I think, in 2011, I wrestled with this idea for four years because family and you know, all the things that we wrestle with when we're trying to figure out. What do we want to do with our lives? I wrestled with it for about four years and started getting, uh, just caring less and less about the perception of what the higher ups thought. And I was surprised to realize that the less I cared about perception, uh, the better, uh, progress reviews and performance ratings I was getting, the more I was getting done, the more deliberate I was with my time while working in the corporate world, uh, the better off everybody was because I was in a better mood. I was able to work in an environment that that worked best for myself and supported the company best because I was getting more done with them. So I, t- I came up with this idea of hacking corporate being. It's not just about me, although that was the driver. Like, I don't care anymore. I'm just going to do what I need to do to get this done effectively so I can spend more time at home versus being sucked into this job that eh, down in the future, I'm not really sure where this is going to go. I want to be an entrepreneur. Uh, and, and taking that idea... And transforming it into a, a mutually beneficial situation for, for everybody. Uh, so there's so many different things. And, and if you've been in the corporate world, Eric, which you, you're – I know you have like the dream job and everything's uh, perfect for where you're at. But you've seen – I'm sure you've seen that sense of uh, politics and mm-hmm. uh, office culture. that just gets really unnecessary. And, and there's a lot of waste. And yeah. being the lead six sigma guy, we look for – defects and waste so seeing all the different things that people are doing that isn't adding value to the company how can you lead by example and cut that stuff out yeah. at the risk i guess of at the risk of your reputation but the flip the alternative happened the, the opposite happened to me and, and people that i know who exercise this uh they actually end up better off in the long run if they communicate the value effectively to the people that are watching. Yeah.
0: So I've been in both scenarios as well. I've, I've hacked corporate when I was in the the last time I was in a, a a formal brick and mortar organization, I hacked corporate to move up. I Mm -hmm. then also eventually moved out. I think you and I could have a pretty cool conversation here. If we went back and forth and maybe shared some stories some best tips, tricks, whatever practices for how to, hack corporate to move up because a lot of people like their jobs where they are right now. But mm-hmm. then also there's this other group of people that we talk to that listen to that are also avid, avid podcast listeners who want to move out or already have and they want to learn how to hack uh, their own uh, singular corporate silo of, of just themselves or working remotely. That's right, yeah. So, creating
1: a work environment that you enjoy that works works for you and your family. Yeah, so... so
0: Uh, So let's start with uh, working our way up or, you know, to be honest, it doesn't even have to be to work your way up. You could literally just like the job that you are in. You show up, you know, it's a nine to five job. You like the security of that. You like going there, doing it there, leaving it there and going home. And I really actually enjoyed that aspect of it. Um, However, the, the, the one, so I can tell, I can tell a semi embarrassing story, uh, Slash bragging story in some senses for me, Please. I I was working in a, let's call it a sales scenario where I was getting so good I, I needed to be there to be a warm body to receive phone calls. I mm-hmm. this was pr- just prior to like we we didn't have laptops so we couldn't leave our cubicles we were in cubicles, um, but they were decently private cubicles and we had like, <laughs> these big Dell desktop uh, you know computers. And we couldn't leave. We couldn't, like, go to a coffee house and get the work done there as well. It was all about being that person who was there to receive the call uh, in case it was one of our uh, sales clients. And okay. so you, you, would, you would email uh, the new leads. You would call the new leads. You would email old leads and call old leads. And I had gotten that down to such a system where – once a week, I'd do this wide swath mail merge thing to all mm-hmm. my old stuff, all my, all my old leads. Every morning, I'd get in there at about eight, and I would, by about nine, be done with pretty much the workload that everybody else in the rest of the office would do for the day.
1: Oh, dude, don't you love when systems so. work like that? That's yeah. such a cool feeling.
0: So, it, And it was all systematized. It was just a matter of, Looking at what was there, who you know, had somebody gotten me a piece of paperwork from the day before? Like I was all set up and ready to go and waiting for the mail to come in for the day. And I just, wow. And here, and so here's the here's the part where it's kind of embarrassing for me. I would get that done, and I would even do a checkup and a repeat and like be literally there with my email open waiting for something to come in and then immediately respond to it and just keep knocking it out throughout the day. I was like, nope, volleyball's back in your court. Boom. And (laughs) wait wait
1: for the mail. We get in the email. We get in the email.
0: And then I'd go back to uh I'd go to uh lunch. I'd come back. This is where um I originally had started podcasting because that's my friend and I. We worked in the same office. We were both so good at this. We'd go and we'd run home to his place, uh, heat up a pizza, eat it, and uh, record a comedy podcast back in, you know, 07. That's awesome. <laughs> and and uh, it was fun. And anyway, here's the, here's the thing I wasted so much time that, and justified it because yeah. I had worked so hard that i was sitting there just you know i was sitting there on twitter and on facebook and reading articles and looking up w- crazy random stuff instead of you know maybe cracking a book and learning something mm. or uh blogging or writing even like i did i wasted that time and it, because i was covered like if anybody were to take a closer look and say you know how you know and here's the oh, so here's the one other thing that justified me was the fact that uh Say a good number uh, – say say my number was, for the year, making 300 sales, okay? Okay. The next runner-up, 150. The next and you were runner, doing it in an hour? Yeah, I was doing – yeah. So I was doing – yeah. So anyway, Dude, I was getting all that cool done. There. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So – so, and that was – this was after about a year-plus of me, like, practicing and getting – honing it, getting it down. Um mm-hmm. All of that, and, and then the person behind me getting 150, and then varying degrees below that, and we're all getting paid the same. So suddenly, I'm so dis, uh, you know, disillusioned. I'm just like, what do I do? I don't know what I'm doing. And and so the, <laughs> so I actually played some computer games on my computer and stuff like that. And just was like, what? I'm done. Just trying like, to fill it I Got my fill stuff, stuff done, and and that. So so I'm not proud of this, and at the same time, I am very proud of that. You can see that now, <laughs> you know, and that's- so that's that. That's my story. Uh, tips and tricks that, as far as that goes, like I analyzed the system and said what has to be done daily, what has to be done weekly, and at, what's the the right interval, and what's the interval that everybody else is doing it at, and how can I do it like one or two more than them just to be ahead of mm. them and on the safe side, and how fast can that get done and still be done properly,
1: you know, yeah, creating that buffer. Yeah, uh. yeah, so well, That's was, my was- story.
0: Still searching for a great candidate for your company? Don't search planning for what's next and how to save for it. That's where bank of America can help for your financial to do's bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 seven in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bank slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
1: My that's, that's a great story, man. I, got into hacking corporate out of necessity. I got into productivity out of necessity. I was uh, almost like out of rebellion because I was going to one site and I was already commuting about an hour. And I was doing project management work in detail in the engineering department. And I got moved to another site that was another half an hour to the east. And the traffic for that other commute was horrible. So even though it was only half an hour, there'd be time. I think my longest commute was like two hours, 15 minutes or something ridiculous. And it just really, really bog me down. And the fact that I didn't want to get transferred to that site in the first place, I had a chip on my shoulder. So I'm like, no, I am not putting one extra minute into this job than I did when I was at the other site. So I need to become a machine. And that's what I did. Very, very similar thing. I understood. And my job as a project management, there's there's things coming at you from just a hundred different angles. You never really know what's going to come up. But it's all the extra, all the minutiae that comes up, all the corporate nonsense, the people dropping by your office to like hang out there and talk to you about whatever it is they want to talk about. Uh, it's the email. It's that stuff that was such low-hanging fruit for me and so obvious that I was able to develop those systems and processes to, to take that out of my life. Um, I remember – and I went to – so at the very end, when I really got to like my peak of my hacking corporate career, if you want to call it that, I got transferred from um, – I actually took a job as a promotion to go from engine, the engineering group to the supply chain group and being the only engineer in a supply chain department, I thought, I thought of things a lot differently. And I took over the job from a great guy, but I remember when I got there, they were showing me all the reports that they were putting out on the supply chain every week. And there was 14 reports that were going out every week. I got it down to two in about three weeks. And one of the easiest things that I did, Eric, but I was like, I did just stop sending a couple of them. like like, eh, this doesn't make much sense to me. Let me just see if anybody cares. Mm-hmm. And about 75, 80% of those reports, nobody cared. I mean, I might get a, an email like six months later. Hey, whatever happened to that? Oh, what kind of information do you need? You know, right. asking critical questions. And what other ways can I get that to you? So that was one of like the, the big things. It's just like, stop doing this legacy stuff that everybody's doing because they say it, that it needs to be done and, and challenge it. Find these subtle ways to challenge it. I think, but out of like from a big picture perspective, if you're a hacking corporate, whether you're doing it to move up or you're doing it to move out, it can't be about you. You really can't because you need to figure out how to add the highest value to your company first. Mm-hmm. And then if you want the freedom and autonomy and everything that we're all looking for in life, then how can you do it with freedom second? So it's like it's it's planting seeds. You need to be a very, very high performer like you were in your position before you can start putting yourself out there to start kind of figuring out ways to get outside of your cubicle and do things differently. So planting seeds along the way. I mean, I remember when one of the key things overall when you're looking at hacking corporate is just to start listening to your colleagues and your senior directors and vice presidents and the CEO and all that and just really understand What's adding the most value to the company? You know, like is—is it what your supervisor's telling you, or is it deeper than that? Is—is is is there something that they're telling you, or is there something that they really care about that's going to make you is going to excel your career? It's going to add more value. And learning which activities are perceived as unnecessary, because there's a lot of stuff that people are doing that have just a really bad reputation. Um, people don't know why people are in a certain career. Like you, if you ever been a large office, there's like. There's these strange positions that are really, really difficult to explain. Those are the ones that nobody understands. They have a, kind of a bad rep. Um, I don't want to call anybody out like specifically, but there's like a lot of um, data management kind of positions or like um, record-keeping sort of roles that I remember that were just, just out there. And nobody really yeah, understood yeah, why like they people, were created.
0: People give me these papers and I file them away. uh, like office space is like no i don't deal directly with the sales like i'm the i'm the guy who takes the files from the the, i forget who there's this whole scenario where the the bobs come in and they're talking to the guys and the one guy's like because the because the engineers can't talk to the sales team and the sales team can't talk to the engineers they need me as the middleman, and it's And and I think – so here's the thing. That speaks to the culture, I think. And I think that's the thing. That's the thing that I think uh, a lot of times, if you're going to get anywhere with hacking whatever kind of corporate job you have, you have to, one, figure out – really be a real good study of what the culture Mm -hmm. is. One, what the stated culture is. But two, what the unstated culture is.
1: Boom. Yeah, you hit it on the head. Absolutely. And And then – And the one thing that I used to do uh, from a culture perspective is that I remember going on like the heart, the the reputation for, it was one of the floors, it was a four story building and it was the one particular floor where there's one manager there that as soon as this person left her office, like 50% of the people that were sitting in their cubicles, five minutes later, they got up and left (laughs) because of that perception thing. Yeah. Well, I saw that out of the get go and having my, mindset where I really didn't care where this was going I met when I interviewed Eric when I interviewed uh, for this position he asked me like what my five-year plan was and I said well look there's a couple different routes I'm really excited about the potential to become an entrepreneur I am and I don't know if that's going to be in five years I don't know if it's going to be in three years or what I have I, I just don't know I gotta I gotta see that thing through well, what I'm going to tell you is that I will give you the best two years that anybody's ever given you in this role. Hmm. I will give you two years. And I committed to that. And so they knew in the interview, man, that I wasn't necessarily the person that they're going to be investing in long term now. Granted, they started you know putting those sort of things together with succession planning. And all the while, I didn't care about it. But I knew – Planting that seed up front that I can get away with a little bit more than somebody else would because I was up front and honest and I communicated about it. So one thing that used to happen, like I would come into the office, I'd try to work as I became familiar with the processes and the people, you know, at first you just kind of got to put in your time. But then I started coming in at 10 o'clock and I'd work the first hour in a coffee shop or at home or something like that. And you get comments like, "Oh, hey, look, uh, Nick, you're working banker's hours today." And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm doing that. Actually, I'm putting in about five hours today. I'm gonna see if tomorrow I'd come and I come in, I can do about three. What do you think? What would you recommend to try to get three? And completely like disarm that because they're expecting you to get defensive. They're expecting yep. you to like say something to 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 justify where you've been. I never did that. Um, I, w- I had the advantage where I was responsible so I was at supply chain, so I had to go out and kind of see where the origin and destination were h- how those were doing like, you know the process of the origin and destination so and we were responsible for you know getting it between point A and point B that's what supply chain is and everything in between that and so I was able to to go out to different sites periodically and I got to the point where the culture when I took the job was that heads down you 're at your desk. Nine hours, ten hours a day, and you know whatever you're talking over with low walls in the cubicles because they wanted better interaction, which I thought was complete bull mm. uh, and, and ridiculous, like a call center man. It was it was nuts, like um, stock trading or something. Uh, and and I deliberately butted the system, so even when I was in the office, I was finding a conference room to hide in. I was finding somebody else's office to, and I say hide. I mean, but look, I was working, but I was just out of that environment because. I wanted everyone to know that Nick Snap does not work well in a cubicle environment. That was the message, but he's killing it for us. Look what he's doing. Yeah. Right? So like every time somebody asked me like where you been, I'm like, oh i d I'm I I focus better when I'm when I'm in a conference room or I was down in the lobby. So, so I had my headphones you, off. You're
0: coming you're coming across as like the Fonz here. <laughs> it's like, I hey, I do my own thing. How yeah. how do you how so how I, I mean I assume coworkers probably got their feathers rust, feathers rustled by yeah. you doing this, but uh, you didn't care as much about that as much as maybe mm-hmm. who you reported to and proving to them that you were doing the work and that mm-hmm. you were killing it. How right. though? I mean, I mean, I know when you entered into the the, the position, you had stuff set up. Uh, you know, told you told them you're going to get the best out of me. How, what kind of ongoing conversations did you have to have to like continue to say, hey, I'm not going to be here. I'm going to be out of the office, but I'm still going to be getting it all done. Like what kind of yeah. negotiations with that culture and that – and the management did you have so mm. that they understood and, and put trust in you?
1: Well, there's a couple of things I can tell you about. Well, the first is there, there wasn't a negotiation because I would ask for forgiveness rather than permission. <laughs> so if I if I took it too far and I got called out on something then I would ask that person who was calling me out to justify why it was a problem. And I'd get very curious. I would do it in like a, a an offensive way or I wouldn't be attacking there. I just I just get very very curious. Mm-hmm. And, um, and as a coach that I am now, it's the same kind of thing that I do when people are doing things a certain way, just start asking questions, try to get to the root of what's going on. And it's not very hard. I'm trying to figure out off the cuff, an example of something like this. It's not very hard to get to the root of why people are concerned. Um, and then as an engineer, problem solving type person's like, okay, we'll just solve the problem. Well, I'm not going to like look at it from the angle that you're looking at. I'm going to go ahead and just figure out what it is you're concerned about. Uh, so when I, so, I, the interview that I had was with a particular supervisor and he retired. And I got another supervisor who had the reputation of being a micromanager, but I was already killing it. So, I was in the job for, I think at this point, I told him I gave him two years, Eric, but I gave him four. Uh, so, I was in the, the job for a year and a half, maybe two years when this came to be. And I got a promotion. I was all of a sudden, I had seven people under me and, and I was getting a new boss. So, I was on my day off. I, I got a call that I was getting a new supervisor. And I came in the next day, I was supposed to take like three days off, I came in the next day. Set up a 15 minute meeting with my new supervisor out, not in the office, not in his office, neutral territory in the lobby outside. It was a nice building. They had that luxury. And, uh, and it's, it's a kind of a negotiation thing, too. If you know anything about negotiations, like you don't make a neutral ground. Uh, so sat down and said, look, I am I want to understand in detail your goals for this department. Well, there's very few managers That have the discipline to actually know what the goals for the department are, and and that can actually communicate them effectively. um, That I found in my experience in corporate, I've I've worked for a lot of different people. Uh, There's typically it's like a a company mission statement, or like they'll reiterate that. But when to to really get to the bottom of what they want to do to make this department thrive, it's tough for them to come up with an answer. So when you when you ask those kind of questions, a lot of times the answers are off the cuff and um, easy to find. Ways that you can support them. So my first and foremost is like company first, right? Like I said, it's not about you, it's about the company. So you ask, well, what's the, what's the goals for the department? And, and then reiterating those goals and how you can best support those particular initiatives. So I remember that I was like a big safety initiative when I was um, working for this particular company and they want to make sure that, um, all the, the carriers or, uh, safety, um, Their safety record was meeting uh, according to standards. They had um, non-risk systems in place and all that kind of stuff. Because if there's an incident, then a lot of times those incidents were on the record of the the supply chain. And that wasn't a good thing. It looks bad. I mean, it affects people's paychecks and all that kind of stuff when you have bad safety ratings. So I was like, oh, that's that's awesome. I'm I'm completely on board with that. So what that's going to require me to do is be on site more, really get an in-depth understanding of, what the processes are of the different contractors? Um, how are their uh, how's their equipment laid out? You know, diving into what can we do to make this the most safe, document it, that kind of stuff. Which would what, Eric? Take me off site more, yeah. right? So I just through those sort of ideas and um, aligning the goals of the company, and then with how your work environment structured, and then just being very blatant, honest. Like, look. I told this guy, I'm like, here's me. I'm in this cubicle because that's where my workspace is. But you will rarely see me in this cubicle because I don't work well there. So when I'm working, if you ever need to get a hold of me, you can send me a text and you can call me. I will answer it immediately. I'm there for you. I got your back, right? But if you expect me to be in the cubicle, let's just make the agreement that it's not going to be the best work environment for me. Are you okay with that? And, and, and just getting that, even if they said that they're not okay with it, and asking why, you know, the kind of stuff we talked earlier with the negotiations. But the thing is, I this this guy that was coming in, I already had a good reputation with him because I was killing it in the office. I was doing like you were doing, man. I mean, you're 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 top of the the, not the food chain, but you're you're top performer in your area, and you have the ability to uh, get away with more than than other people might get away with because. Uh, you're adding value and you're communicating the value and they know what you bring to the table. They don't want to lose you. So yeah. they want, if you're that kind of performer, that's what it takes to hack corporate. You've got to be that kind of performer. You can't be a slough off. Yeah, you expect it's, to be it's, it's, not your to, desk. it's,
0: it's and, and y- It needs to not be, it, well, again, it's not about you. It's about delivering value. And so if it's mm-hmm. all about you and it's all about you hacking the system so that you can then you know, show up and Ferris Bueller your day th- way through the day. <laughs> yeah, that, that's not what it's about,
1: man. <laughs> that's not. You Should um, be working there. That's the case. If you it, just, I mean, exactly. You got to have a a, better, a job that's more aligned with your skill set. So speaking of
0: start. which, then other the flip side of this, which we don't have a ton of time for, but you mm-hmm. and I then both stopped working in those environments and started working uh, at our homes, and that can be a huge culture shock because now it's a culture of one. Mm. And, oh, you, and, and your boss okay. is amazing and uh, uh, a jerk at the same
1: time. <laughs> Dude, I got like, a quick story about that one. I don't have a lot of time to go into it. Um didn't get on the email thing, but uh, for this particular story. So I developed a 40 page business plan, the corporate person that I was, 40 page business plan to go out and do my own thing, do these studies for different companies and who I was going to reach out to and uh, forecasting what revenue was going to look like and blah, blah, blah. And That 40 page outline, like I, when I was in corporate, man, it was autopilot. I knew exactly what I needed to do, how to do it, how to communicate it, how to align my team. And when I became an entrepreneur day one, I woke up completely excited. I I knew what I needed to get done, but I didn't, I just sat there. I was frozen, man. I looked at my computer and just like, well, what do I do now? Like it was, it was this weird, just, um, paralyzation that I had. And it was because I didn't, if I was going to go back and do it again, I really would have thought about things that I think about now, now that I'm in the productivity space, what's the routine? You know, what, how do I plan my day in advance? How do I know what's important? Like weeding through all the nuances with productivity that as a project manager, yeah, I was productive. But I was productive in corporate as an, as an entrepreneur. The biggest difference, man, is you are now your own accountability. So you've got to be very, very creative of how you're going to hold yourself accountable. And that's something I had no idea how to implement at the time. And and now there's there's all kinds of strategies that I use to hold myself accountable. Uh, but man, it, when it's just you, and you're just trying to will your way through these things you want to get done, you can waste a ton of time.
0: Yeah, well, not even that. But on top of that, you've got the idea that it, you know you've got... This, this whole environment and your, your quote-unquote co-workers are now your family. And so mm-hmm. you got to wait for – if you didn't like working in the cubicle before, now the workspace is this set space inside your home.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Or, yeah. or you do have to get out of the house uh, and get to that coffee shop or that conference room or that co-working space or something. Uh, and I've had different phases where different things work best for me, different days of the week, different times of the day. It's a big shift to uh, – and again – there's the – now more than back when I was in corporate, you have the ability to take your laptop and your cell phone mm-hmm. and make video calls, audio calls, typing, video content, social media, all this kind of – all the different work that you could do. For the most part, you can do anywhere, including, right. including home. At times, you shouldn't be doing it. So the boundaries and the lines, they all get blurred.
1: They do, man. And then one of the things I learned the hard way was this concept of agreements versus expectations. So powerful, such a powerful concept that with as supportive as my wife was and is of me going off and doing my own thing, there's a difference between entrepreneurship and being an employee. There just is. You, you put in your, you put in your hours and you come home and you don't think about it. Well, when you're at home, there can be, not for everybody, I'm not sure if you've experienced it or not, but hey, look, Nick's at home. So why wouldn't he be able to take the kids to the doctor or run to the school real quick to go drop something off for the project that whatever right. things that come up, errands that need to be run, quick shop uh, stops at the grocery store, like all this stuff. It's like, you know, he's just at home. I mean, of course he's being productive. He's got the whole days, he nobody on his back, whatever, but uh if you don't – if you're not crystal clear and understand like what's the best way for you to work at home, then that sort of stuff creeps in. The days that she had off, barging into the office and, and interrupting, like yeah. things like that, you just don't think about and you've got to talk about. So one of the best things I've done and uh, we are running out of time is this – the weekly review, like what events, what things need to be done mutually – both pull up our laptops. We don't share calendars because she doesn't like looking at mine. I don't really necessarily care about hers either. Right. So we just we both pull up our laptops, we look at all these different events. And the way I judge it, whether it's um necessary to talk about it or not, is is this event going to cause an argument if I spring it on her? So, like some evening event with the Tampa Bay business owners or um, a strategy session that I had to to have with like an employee that only had between the hours of 8 and 9 p.m. or um, an all-day event where like I typically my mother-in-law comes over and typically I'm available to take the kids to school if I can't take kids to school for some reason then there's some things need to change so working through all that stuff and I kid you not man every single week there are at least four events that would have just blown up into an argument. And it's not just because my wife's a fiery Puerto Rican. It's not, it's, <laughs> it's, there's more, It's more to it than that. Uh, so going through that exercise, um, even if you're an employee is hugely valuable just doing that every week. So we do it over lunch and at night times don't work. She's tired. I'm tired, but lunch is a really, really good time to do that.
0: That's a good, that's a good call. And again, it's all about that expectation. And, mm-hmm. uh, what was the other word agreement agreement? There you go. Nick, right Nick, we're at the top of the time that we have to go, and this stinks, but people can go catch you on your show, so that's awesome. Uh, yeah. Let's tell everybody how to get to what you're doing.
1: Yeah, Well, my show is called The Make It Snappy Productivity Show. If you're uh, interested in the podcast, you just go to makeitsnappyshow.com forward slash podcast, and my website for my coaching practice, I'm a productivity coach, and really I help business owners and entrepreneurs really understand their business intimately and dive into their systems and processes and help them get more efficient through this technical lean six sigma lean thinking approach that I take to, to help them get more done make more money in less time that's what I do so if you're interested in that kind of thing then you can go to nicksnap.com with two p's everything snap with me man um, just yeah it's just the way it is
0: nice Nick it's been awesome talking with you thanks for being on the show and I am sure you will be back
1: again Great, man. It's been a pleasure, Eric. Always always a really good time talking.
0: I hope that you got something out of that and the wheels are turning in terms of how to hack your corporate job or hack your home life, remote working job, whether you are the boss of you or you are someone else's employee, but work remotely. There's way more that we could cover with this. In fact, let's start a conversation. Head on over to beyondthetodolist.com slash 156 where the show notes are for this episode and leave your comment and question for me and Nick. Thanks again to Nick for stopping by on this episode. Thank you again to Aweber for supporting this episode of Beyond the To-Do List. Again, make sure to go grab those free videos and downloadable checklists to master, to get started and master that next step in your digital marketing workflow. If you're at the beginning of that, if you've already done some digital marketing but need to learn about some of the other aspects that you are not familiar with, this landing page, again, has free resources in terms of downloadable checklists and videos from AWeber that are going to get you started and to the next level. Go over to aweber.com slash to-do. That's awebe dot T-O-D-O. Grab those resources get started and move forward. Thanks again for listening. I'll see you next episode.